0: Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Let's Talk TriDelta. I'm Mindy Tucker, TriDelta's VP of Marketing and Communications. Thanks for joining us today. We are still on such a high from our Lead San Diego event and our 60th biennial convention that was in San Diego just a few weeks ago. What an amazing and empowering weekend it was. I hope everyone listening was able to be a part of it, either there in person or virtually. Over the past few years, TriDelta has made it an organizational priority to create an equitable and inclusive lifetime member experience for our black, indigenous, and sisters of color. And one of our lead speakers helped us reframe how we look at diversity and inclusion within our organization and within ourselves. And motivated by her passion to recognize her own BS and correct societal isms like racism, sexism, classism, and plain old stupidism, it's Risha Grant's personal mission to expose the value of diversity and inclusion while shining a light on the impacts that they create. She's the CEO and founder of her own award-winning full-service diversity communications recruitment training and consulting firm. With almost 20 years of experience working in one of the most conservative states in the nation, she provided us with steps to identify, own, and confront our bias by calling BS on the issues that stop us from building inclusive cultures and attracting diverse talent and markets. Risha, welcome to Let's Talk Tri-Delta. We're so glad to have you with us today.
1: Thanks for having me. Uh, it was a, an awesome conference and getting to know some of the women there was amazing. So I was happy to do it and happy to be here.
0: Well, you were such a dynamo as a speaker for us at Lead, um, And we're so glad you've joined us again to talk a little bit more with those who weren't there and to dig in just a little bit more on some of the things that you talked about. You know, I know I could have had a conversation with everyone there for about an hour after you talked. There was so much good stuff. And we've had so many conversations inside Tridelta about Diversity within our organization, and you know, sometimes those conversations aren't comfortable. how right. How does your approach deal with that discomfort and help you to get your message out to a wider audience? Obviously, you—I mean—you're sitting in Oklahoma. We referred to this conservative state that you've been in, right? <laughs> Not—I not I was born there, so I get it. I know. Um, <laughs> how do you deal with that discomfort? How do you help sort of get that message out to a wider group of people when it's not a comfortable conversation?
1: I think what's worked for me is the fact that. I don't present it to people as if I have it all together. It's like, look, I actually do this for a living. I've been at it 25 years, but I'm I've still got a lot of BS, and this is what it is. And so, bringing that to the forefront, also using humor, using storytelling. I want people to see themselves in these situations without blaming themselves or feeling uh, feeling guilt or any of those negative emotions attached to it. Just looking at it for what it is, realizing that and then saying, "Okay, I have got work to do and, you know, figuring out what that work looks like for 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 them as an individual and how they can affect the people in their immediate circle.
0: Yeah, I loved how you used humor and I loved how you made it personal. I know you sort of dig in at the beginning about identifying our own diversity and what makes Mm -hmm. us unique. And this always hits home with me. Because I identify as a mom, I've got two kids, but then when I dig deeper, I'm an adoptive mom, actually, mm-hmm. my two kids are adopted. And I think as you make people sort of think about their own identity and what's different and what's, what's in there, it, it does sort of create a different experience for us as we start to have these conversations. Why do you think that's important that we sort of dig into that identity when looking at this, t- this bigger topic of diversity?
1: Because you've got to understand where your lens in which you view the world, where that came from, who you are, how it is that you see other people. I like to call it our biosphere, being our family, our friends, the the institutions, the government, uh, the media, like all of these things that have affected how you see the world. And so by identifying your own diversity and the things about you that are different you can look at some of those things and say, wow, well, someone's going to kind of see that as a negative, but this is why this story is important to me. And this is why I see it as a positive. And so, for instance, uh, one of the things I say is that I'm divorced. Well, you know, divorce to some people is negative. For me, it was a positive, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I so, hear that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like looking at yourself through, through your lens, first and foremost, will make you ask questions like, OK, well, what makes me uncomfortable about this, you know? And so I think it's really important that you know who you are, why, and then how it is that the world may view you as well as you start to look at your level of discomfort.
0: Yeah. I've heard you say that diversity isn't necessarily great for everyone because of what what we assign to it. Mm -hmm. Can you say more about that?
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was just saying about the divorce thing is. So one of the things that I say in the speech, um, you use the word conservative, but I'll say I'm from one of the reddest states in the nation. Right. And so what happens is that people hear that. And I mean, it bristles the hair on the back of the neck for a lot of people. If there's one oh. thing that comes back to me after the speech is like, oh, she said this and you know, and it and it upsets some people. And so what I started to implement in the speech is that, no, it's about the meaning that you attach to it. I didn't say if it was negative or positive. I didn't say how I felt about it. What I said was we're one of the reddest states in the nation, and that's a fact. The fact is Oklahoma is the number two most conservative state in the US. So it's the meaning that you assign to these things that makes it positive or negative. And that's something for you to look at and determine, wow, did I just really get upset? And that's not even what was said. You know, she didn't say anything negative, but when we hear certain words, they trigger us into thinking either positive or negative. So it's all about the meaning that you assign to that. And when it comes to diversity, there are a lot of things that trigger people as a negative based upon the lens in which they view the world or the experiences that they've had with uh, with whoever that person is.
0: Right. We all just walk in with so many Preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. Words are loaded at times. Yes. So much baggage and and our experience and our history and whatever we've come from. So I I totally understand that concept. If if you think about which I've heard, I know we've talked about with you, inclusion sort of being invited,
1: involved and engaged. What Mm -hmm. do those words really mean to you? I think with inclusion, um, you can have diversity, right? You can have so many people, so many diverse people at the table, but they don't feel as if they're actually a part of the conversation. They don't feel that they're respected for their thoughts and contributions. They don't feel like no one uh, or anyone there may care about their thoughts and contributions. So you can have diversity and still not have inclusion. So being invited, involved and engaged means that Yeah, we're sitting at the table, but I'm going to actually make sure that I am saying to you, hey, you have any thoughts about this? Hey, that was a great idea. How can we use that idea? You know, what other ideas do we have have to make it even better? You get a lot of people sitting around the table saying, yeah, we're diverse, but it does not matter what we say or what we do. Our ideas, our thoughts our contributions are not going to be accepted or respected. And so I believe when you invite, you involve and you engage, you truly are. You truly have inclusion.
0: I think that's such a great concept for our um, well, for a whole organization. But if I think about our collegiate chapters in, in specific, you know, we we have talked about inviting women from all backgrounds into our organization, really trying to be accessible and just inviting women in our, one of our taglines is bring you, you know, we don't want you to come here and be like us. We want you to come here and be you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've asked ourselves the question so often, okay, once we get them in the door, is it really a place where they can feel, I'm going to go back to your words, invited, involved, engaged, like mm-hmm. one piece of it is bringing people in, but then there's the next piece, which is what is the experience that they're going to have? And exactly. I um, what you're really speaking to there is us thinking about the experience and its entirety. How are we welcoming these women in and then making them feel a part of what we're doing?
1: Exactly. Um, Cause you'll, you'll have that diversity and people will feel like, you know, that you won't keep them. And then it's like, well, why are we not keeping people? And you know, it's because they, they, they're not a part of the team, you know, they're just yeah. there.
0: I'm going to take that one step further and bring up something else. I've heard you say, which is diversity is about you and
1: inclusion is about us. How does that fit into what we were just talking about? Because diversity is that is that is truly about you. It is your religion, your sexual orientation, your race or ethnicity, your age. Right. And so it is all about you. It's where you get to to be you. You get to be unique. You don't have to you know, worry about anything. I say that you don't have to, but you shouldn't have to worry about anything else. You do you inclusion is not about doing you, inclusion is about doing us. It's about taking all of those unique differences, taking all of that diversity, bringing it together and making sure that we are again, engaging, involving and inviting everyone to the table so that we can get the best ideas, create the best solution, uh, make the best products and services, whatever that is, you're gonna have much better results if everybody is, you know, talking and brainstorming together. I just like that distinction, the you
0: and the us and how we think. Yeah. About it. So let's talk about bias and BS. We're going to get to the BS in a minute, which I love that. Yes. I love that whole concept. <laughs> but let's start with the bias. What can you tell us about bias and how it affects our DEIAB efforts?
1: Well, it's going to affect any, any efforts surrounding diversity, equity, inclusion, acceptance, belonging, uh, all of those Because with unconscious bias, you don't know that you have it. So what happens is that when we're around people that are make us uncomfortable or say we're not even around them, say we just see a resume or see an application for something and based upon their name or maybe some activities that they list on on that piece of paper, we've already determined that this person is not someone that would probably fit into our organization. Well, the reality is we shouldn't be looking for cultural fits. We should be looking for cultural additions, right? But a lot that. of, yeah, a lot of us just kind of hone in on the fact that, well, this person, I don't know, they're into this, and most people are into something else. And so they're probably not going to fit in. Well, what they may do is enrich your organization, enrich your group or your team, and you can do the same for them by introducing each other to different things, things that you haven't thought about, places that you haven't been. I know that when I'm around people that are teaching me different things, um, it's always like, wow, that was really cool. I'm glad I had that opportunity. Um, But it's all about, again, making sure that our unconscious bias that we are we know what it is and we know how it shows up in our behavior, because if we don't know that, trust me, other people are still feeling it. Right. Right. How um, how do we move from a place of bias into understanding equity? So the thing about equity and equity has been um, it's kind of been a difficult concept for people. And I believe it's because for so long we've been focused on equality and equality is great. I'm just not sure it's what we should have been fighting for all along, because when you think about equality, it's all about everybody uh, having the same things. Right. Making sure that we're on the same playing field here. We got the same stuff. You got a car. I got a car. You get it. I got it. Well, the reality is. There's always going to be somebody that makes more money, that has a bigger home, that has a nicer car or whatever. Right. And so you may not actually feel as as if you're on equal footing with equity. Equity is not going to make sure that we all have, have the same thing. Equity is going to make sure we all have what we need. So in having what we need, we can get toward This is the success or building a better quality of life. So if I'm short and I need to be able to see over a wall, well, give me a chair to stand on. Give me a a box to stand on. Right. So that I can now see over that wall if if I am um, in a training and I'm hearing impaired. Allow me to sit at the front of the room so that I can hear the instruction better, right? Because if you sit me at the back of the room, that may be equal cuz we're all in the room together. Right. But equity would say, well, this person needs to be closer so that they have what they need to be able to hear and understand what's going on. So it's about giving everyone what they need to succeed. I like that concept. I haven't heard it stated that way, the what we need. I like that a lot. Thank, Thank you. you.
0: So at Lee, that was a great moment when you sort of address the BS in your keynote. I think we all were sort of, you know, everybody gets it's so exciting because you're like, oh, it's BS. I, I know <laughs> totally what it is. I know exactly what it is, but it's not that. So I'd love for you to tell our listeners for you what BS stands for.
1: BS stands for bias synapse, which is our brain's role in unconscious bias. But uh, for everybody else. That of course sees it. The first thing they think is, <laughs> "Oh gosh, wow, we're gonna talk about bullshit." And oh, I am. Okay. I'm gonna talk about both of them,
0: right? <laughs> okay, let's
1: do it. I'm gonna talk about both of them. Uh, but bias synapse. It was a fun way for me to help people think about um, think about unconscious bias. And so where it all came from is when I was writing my book, I became a fan of this neurologist Joseph Ledoux, who wrote a book called The Synaptic Self, and he believes that we live our lives in the synapse of our brain, meaning that's where all memories are created, good, bad, and different. And the way that our brain communicates between brain cells is, is uh, through a synapse, which usually happens in one direction. So um, for me, when I thought about biases and the biases that that are negative, I thought, well, that usually happens in one direction as well, that being negative. So that's how I came up with the whole deal. But what it, what it was for me personally Is when I hear a lot of these things and I hear a lot of the way that people are treated, whether they're being treated badly because they're a woman, badly because they're a person of color, badly because um, I don't know, they're they're overweight, whatever it is, that's bullshit. You know, And, and regardless of what it is we understand or don't understand about a person, they still deserve common courtesy and respect, whether you understand it or not. And so that's that's really where that that whole concept came from.
0: I like the I like that it goes back to sort of how your brain works because so much of this is how we think over time and how we just sort of reinforce thoughts. And I've learned a lot about the brain and how the brain works and what it takes to really change thoughts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know that that's a huge part of this because we've all thought one way for so long, or we've been taught one thing since we were young for so long. I like that it ties back to that and makes us think about how we sort of make these changes in our brain. Mm -hmm. How do I, how do I go about identifying
1: my own BS? Well, first, the first thing you want to think about is who makes you uncomfortable and why? Like that is that is super important. It's the simplest way that I can get people to think about it. Who makes you uncomfortable? Right. And when you think about if I'm walking down the street and I see a certain person, you know, about that, I'm going to have to pass. Do I cross to the other side of the street? If I'm on an elevator, do I shrink in the corner? Do I pull my personal belongings in tighter? And you notice that it's just around a certain type of person. You know, is it it all men that make you uncomfortable? Is it all men of color that make you uncomfortable? Like you really have to dig into why am I doing this? Who makes me uncomfortable? And why does this person make me uncomfortable to realize uh, what that is? Now I tell women all the time and since we're primarily talking to women here, follow your gut. At the end of the day, Follow your gut, even if, uh, you know, you you can't determine at the time. Well, I don't know if this is if I'm just being biased or if I'm feeling something here that makes me that feels dangerous. Assess the bias later. You know, just follow follow your gut. And when you get home, think about, okay, why did I feel like that? And I think it's really important to to realize that, well, you know what? Every time uh, a person gets on the elevator with me that is a person of color. I'm uncomfortable. Well, okay. So then I may have an issue there. Every time someone, a a trans person, you know, that I have to interact with a trans person, I feel really, really uncomfortable. What is that about? And so that's, that's where I, I really try to dig in so that people can identify what that BS is. And you then once you identify it, you own it. Okay. I've got an issue with trans people. I need to figure out what that is. So now I'm going to confront it. And what does that look like? Well, it might look like self-education. Maybe you're going to go watch all the seasons of Pose that you can find and you're going to learn about as much as you can. And then you're actually going to get to know someone on a personal level, because I truly believe that we break down barriers when we can laugh and talk with another person. Uh, We we begin to really, you know, just lower our, our guard and say, you know, this person's pretty cool. And because a lot of times, you know, it's just what we've heard or what we maybe we had a bad experience. Maybe our parents had a bad experience or whatever or someone close to us that we care about. And we just kind of carry that with us forever.
0: I think you're so right about like so much of it comes from what we don't know or who we don't know. I know, lead. you talked about the importance of building authentic relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think getting to know people who are different from you is an incredible way to learn and grow. And you just talked about that. Why did you go back to the relationship piece? And why do you bring that up? And why do you think that's important? And how
1: can that be part of what we do? Well, first and foremost, so many organizations and companies are having these difficult conversations around race and politics and religion, things that you would never talk about um, at work or with strangers, right? But we're there. And that's not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, if you build authentic relationship, those conversations aren't that difficult right. because now a person knows your heart. They know that you're trying to understand more, that you're trying to um, get a better grasp on it. I also think, again, it lowers all of those uh, those red flags for us. When when I called a trans person that, that I knew and said, hey, I'd love to go to lunch. Um, I'm going to tell you up front, I'm being transparent here. There are some things I don't understand. You have no responsibility to teach me this. But I really feel like I could learn a lot by having a conversation with you. So uh, I'm going to ask stupid questions, I'm sure. And we had the best time. And again, all of the things that, you know, that I felt uncomfortable about when I said, you know what? My biggest thing is I'm so scared I'm going to get the pronouns wrong and I'm going to be offend offend someone and and hurt their feelings. I never want to do that. And she said to me, she's like, you know, we we know that happens. She said, now, of course, you're going to have you'll have people that are going to really give you a hard time, she said. But we laugh about those things internally together. And, you know, when you when you know a person's heart and you know that they care that stuff is not it's it's not uh, this whole becomes this whole thing, right, where it's like, oh, I've been disrespected. And this person doesn't care about me. It's like we're going to have to give each other grace. And when you build authentic relationship, you get to know people for who they are. And when you mess up because you're going to mess up, you're going to get the grace that you deserve in that moment. Because I do
0: think we all need a place. You don't sort of wake up one day and you're great at this. If mm-hmm. you have- like if you haven't been around, been exposed to different pronouns and you try to start one day, like it's, it's, it's not an easy thing. It doesn't just happen overnight. And so finding a place where you can try and you can do the work, so to speak, Mm -hmm. in a safe place, I think is really important for all of us and just being willing to try. Exactly. So many people are so scared to even
1: venture out. Um, Well, because if you mess up, you know, there's no, there's no coming back from it. And a lot of in a lot of scenarios. So people are just, um, they're just like, forget it. I'm not going to take the chance. And I can, I understand that that's where that, that grace piece is super important. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, you have been amazing to stick around and talk with us a little bit longer after your time with us at lead. And we've loved learning from you and um, having you call it out as BS and making it fun and interesting. And even if it's not always comfortable for all of us. So uh, we appreciate you. How can our listeners learn more about you and the work that you're doing?
1: They can go to all my social media pages. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, where my YouTube, Facebook, and it's all Risha Grant. So I would love for people to go out there and, and like our pages and see what content we're putting out. And we're always there to engage. So um, please, you know, go out there and like our stuff. Awesome. That's Risha
0: Grant. And it's it's Mm -hmm. R-I-S-H-A. So go find her and look her up and um, learn more about the great work that she is doing. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are so appreciative of all the incredible reminders and help and just good suggestions that you've shared with us as we dig into this important work. Thanks, Risha.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Y'all, I think her guidance is so helpful, whether we take it back to our workplace or our community, our family, or even into fall recruitment in our chapters, wherever our daily lives take us as Tri-Deltas, I hope y'all will take Risha's ideas to heart and put them to work. We hope you're enjoying our podcast. Let's Talk Tri-Delta. And we would love it if you would like, subscribe and rate us. We love those five-star ratings. Thanks for talking Tri-Delta with us today. Join us next
1: time. Stay safe and bring you.